Hey, welcome to Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha. We are so pumped that you're tuning into this podcast. It has been designed for people just like you. We want to do life with you, share our wins, our defeats, our ups and our downs in hopes that you'll grow closer to God and to the people that you love in your life. Sit back and enjoy today's podcast. What's up, everybody? We're here. I'm here with my main man, Josh Baker, and we are talking life and ministry and leadership and whatever else God wants us to talk about. But we know there's going to be some things that you need to hear that will cause your life to be better. What's up, man? What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. It's so good to be here with you today. All right. Hey, man, we are fresh off our prescription series. Yes, we are. This is part nine. You preached a message today called The Great Transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a powerful word, but before before we really dive into anything, because there's there's so many things I want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like was your favorite part of the message or what did you really want people to get out of it? I think I want people to hear and get that there is a difference between learning about Jesus, mm. loving Jesus, reading about Jesus, studying about Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. And I think so many times we get stuck in doctrine when I believe God wants to move us from doctrine to demonstrations and from messages to miracles, from coming to church, the need to be healed to coming, leaving the church and actually doing the healing. And I just believe that we're in a season where God is wanting us not just to study Jesus, learn about Jesus, love Jesus, do those things, but also do the works of Jesus. Yeah, that's so good, man, Um, because that's really what he called us to do is not just be in the church, but to go outside the four walls of the church. So why do you feel like people get stuck there? Why do you feel like people get stuck on just coming to church, but then not taking what they learn and applying it outside of the church? I think it takes a lot of faith. And I also think that it is the norm to just be religious and kind of go through the motions Mm. of study and reading and meditation, but not move it over into power demonstration, miracle signs and wonders. And I also think that many of us have had disappointments in the past where it's like we tried to do what the Bible said, but we didn't get the result that the Bible got. So we concluded either that God has ceased from moving that way. Maybe God doesn't um, want us to move that way. Maybe somebody else has that gift, but I don't have that guilt, that gift. And all of those things leads us to an incorrect conclusion that maybe it might work sometimes, but I really can't count on God. So it causes us not to be biblical Christians, but Christians that are just, um, you know, we have a jersey, but we're not on the team. It's like we believe in God, but we have no signs that follow. Right. You know. Yeah, that's really good. I think um, part of it, too, sometimes becomes comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the whole idea of doing something that's challenging versus doing something that's comfortable. Right. I think you can come to church and you can read your Bible and you can pray and you can go to a worship service. And that's right. a place that's comfortable for people. Right. But then when we're called to do something outside of our comfort zone, like being challenged maybe to to pray for somebody or to speak to somebody, that's something that kind of makes people, I don't know, freeze up sometimes. It's, it's easier maybe to just stay in the four walls and have the pastor do it. <laughs> I always say that God doesn't call you to do stuff that you can do. Right. He calls you to do stuff that you can't do Mm -hmm. because then it causes you to rely on him to do the supernatural as you do the natural. And so I always say that our comfort zone is not the destiny zone for our life. And I think one of the greatest obstacles for us to overcome as believers now in days is convenient Christianity and comfort and comfortable comfortable Christianity. And I believe that so many people just want to be comfortable, but it's never comfortable to step outside of the boat and walk on the water. Matter of fact, 
The cross is not comfortable. There's nothing in the gospel other than the fact that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. <laughs> and so I believe he wants to give us a level of comfort while we're being uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really good, man. I think that's something you've spoke about before, convenient Christianity. Uh-huh. And for people who are listening, I don't know, can you just kind of expand on that? Talk about what that is? Convenient Christianity is this need to have everything be just like we want it to be in order for us to step into it. You know, many times when we um, pick a church, we say, let us get a church that is as close as possible to my home or apartment. Let me go to a church that's exactly what I want, singing the songs that I like with the ethnicity and the age of people that I most agree with. And let the preacher say everything that I agree with. And it's amazing that when God calls us to a place, he plants us in the body as it pleases us, as him, not as it pleases us. And many times what pleases God is to completely shake our paradigm and bust us out of convenient Christianity, meaning that you might have to drive the church. It might be people that are not your race at all, not your age group at all. It might be a pastor that is preaching something that you've never heard, asking you to do something that you've never done before. And that's the way that you're going to grow in God. And it's actually convenient Christianity that can be the Achilles heel that stops us from being more like Jesus. Mm hmm. Oh, man, that's great. I'm so glad you talked about that. So not to completely switch subjects, but I have some more things that I want to talk about just from the message today, things that you said Mm -hmm. um, that I think would be just really good for people to hear. So one of the things you talked about was um, don't let the world influence you. Mm -hmm. But the Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. So as a Christian, how do you be in the world, but not let the influence of the world start to influence you? Wow. I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of different things to to do that. Um, For me, I'm just not impressed with the world. Yeah. And I think there are are a lot of believers that they're actually on the low, low key. They impress with the world. Right. They like the style of the world. They like the music of the world. They like the they, 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 they like the vibe of the world. And truthfully, I was in the world. And I was in the world and realized that the world had absolutely nothing they can offer me. And I love fashion. I love art. I love um, I love travel. I love all of these different things. But those things don't like define me. And it's I don't look to the world to find all of my creativity. So I'm not impressed with a godless world. I think that there are crazy smart people in the world. I think that there are intellectuals in the world. There's crazy creativity, but truthfully, I just believe our God is a creator and he is the one that gives birth to all creativity. So me, I like to have fashion style and love what I love, but do it in a godly way. Come on. So one of my first things is that I'm just not impressed with the world. Right. And I think that that is a decision that every believer can make, that there is absolutely nothing that a fallen, broken, godless world has that it can offer me. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> but did that did that come over time for you? Because, you know, when we get saved, the Bible talks about renewing our mind. Uh-huh. So is that something that that shifted for you where you felt like your mind was renewed and now you were like, hey, you saw things differently, had different perspective? Oh, that's a hard one, you know, because everybody will have their own different experience. So for me, I got saved when I was like 11 years old. Yeah. And I always tell people I lived 10 years as a Christian atheist. I believed in God, but I lived like he didn't exist. Until about the time I was 22, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so between 11 and 22, really, you couldn't tell any difference between me and my unsaved friends. I mean, I partied, I drank, I tried to stay up until I was in every kind of club, nightclub, strip club, club sandwich. If it's a club, I'm there, I'm with it. And so 
<laughs> for me, um, everything changed when I got filled with the Holy Spirit or received the baptism yeah. of the Holy Spirit. So it was an encounter moment for me mm. that really just changed stuff. Now, yes, I had to renew my mind with the word and I had to change wrong thinking with right thinking, but it almost felt like an event for me. It almost felt like I just had an encounter with God that really just took certain things out of my mouth and I had a desire to do what was right. And it's hard for me to say that because I don't want somebody listening to that and say, well, I've never had that encounter, so I'm just going to still wild out. It was like, no, God knew that my heart was in a place that I wanted him. Yeah. And I had that encounter because there was something in me that was ready for it. And it didn't just stop with an encounter because I've seen people encounter God, but they still go back to their ratchetness. Yep. And so for me, it was like, I want to have an encounter God with God, but then I wanted to know everything about him. And I think that that's a decision that every person has to make. Like, I want to read the Bible now. If I, I don't, I'm that dude. It's like, I don't want to be like halfway in it. Like when I was in the world, I'm all the way in the world. All the way in. I know you was all the way in the 110%. world, all the way in the world. Like, listen, I am going to have a party. Then we're going to do the after party after the after party. That's like the people nowadays. They'd be like, well, is it okay to drink? Look, and I will out drink all of y'all. Like if we start <laughs> with it, oh, it's just a half a glass of wine. Do you know how quickly I'll turn that into a whole bottle? Right. We used to drink Mad Dog and um Cisco and mix it in jungle juice with Kool-Aid and throw honey <laughs> grain in it. Like I, I'm just not that guy. Like if we're going to be in the world, I'm going hard in the world. Right. But if I'm going to be in the church, we're going hard in the church. I want to read my Bible. I want to be there when the doors are open. I want all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Come I want to see signs and wonders. I want and I'm going to live completely holy. I just don't get the half. That, that's just not I don't know. Maybe that's somebody's personality. But being lukewarm ain't never helped nobody. Yeah. The revelation says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Right. Instead of be lukewarm. You got to choose one. Be one. And I've them. been, I've been, I've been seriously cold. I'd rather be seriously hot for the Lord. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like you and I have talked about this before where I'm similar to you. I had an encounter moment with God. Mm -hmm. And from there, it was like my desires were no longer the same. It was like God took out the desires of the things I wanted for the desires of the things right. that he wanted. Um, so I guess, I, I don't know, do people, uh, people who don't have that encounter moment, how do they get in a place? where they can have an encounter moment like that. Well, that's the thing. Wasn't you in an atmosphere where I was. an encounter could happen? Mm -hmm. And most people or many people don't put themselves in position for that possession. Right. So they're not setting themselves up for an encounter moment. So it, it, it don't even have to be anything deep. Like I was selling real estate outside of Washington, D.C. at the time. And the client of mine says, hey, would you like to come to church? And they made me cake. And I like cake. So I came. And it was a Tuesday night. I couldn't believe all these people was in church. And I was just there. And then the preacher said, if you're here and you would like to give $1,000 to the Lord, please stand. Okay. I'm positioning myself. I grabbed and we broke. I'm talking about I had over $100,000 of debt. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with roaches and mice. Yeah. But when he said, if you want to give a thousand, I didn't know he wanted us to give it that night. Sure. Yeah. I just, you I just, just stood heard, up in faith. Yeah. Yeah. Come well, on. I didn't know nothing about faith. He just said, do you want to? Of course I want to give to the right. Lord that way. Thousands of people in the, in the, listen, I came there because of cake and I stood up. I didn't have any money, but I wanted to give. And that's all God needs is like the mustard seed. So people, when they talk about an encounter, it's just like, get to church, get on the front row and say, Lord, I'm here. Like, I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. Like, I was messed up in that moment. But God will take the small things and do something really big with them. Yeah, you said two keys for me in that that I pulled out. Number one, you went to church for cake. 
So people don't always realize what people will come to church for. Yeah. And so I think just invite anybody at any time because you never know what let's draws them in. Let's go to lunch. I'm paying for right. lunch. Come to church with me. I'll go to lunch. Pay to ch- come to church with me. Let's go fishing afterwards. Come to church with me. Then we're going over to my house to watch the game. Don't make this super spiritual for natural-minded people. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so good. And then, so I would say this too then for somebody because, you know, church is different nowadays. Like people only come to church about 1.2 times a month. Right. So when you started going to that church, is this something you did consistently? You said you were on the front row, you were ready, like you positioned yourself. So is it something you made um, important in your life? I'm going to go back to the thing. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go hard. Mm -hmm. There is no need for me to go to the gym and sign up for to pay a monthly membership and only go two, three days out of the month. I'm not going to get anywhere. So if I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I'm there every time the doggone doors were open. I'm not even lying. Right. I'm talking about in two years. I don't think I missed church for two years. Come on. I'm not talking about just Sundays. Right. I'm talking about Sundays back then. Old school. We had Bible study on Wednesday. Yep. And then I had choir practice on Thursday and I had prayer on Friday and I might have outreach ministry on Saturday. I went to church one time for a span of like 17 days in a row. Mm-hmm. Just whatever y'all doing, I'm there. And it wasn't even, you know how people say, well, I got to go to church. You're missing the whole thing. Right. This ain't what I got to do. This is what I get to do. Come on. I get to come and go to prayer and outreach and also have fun at the same time of worshiping the one that made me. So for me, it's just, no, I'm just going to go hard and no. I mean, I would plan my vacation around Sundays. I would literally go to church and go on vacation Sunday night and come back Saturday so that I could be there for church. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Yeah. That's crazy. It's funny how that shifts in people, though, because you and I just talked about this recently. Brittany and I just celebrated our two-year anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary. Thank you, man. And our two-year anniversary was on a Sunday. Yeah. And it was funny because we were driving back from the beach, and we looked at each other, and we were like— we missed church today. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've been in church my whole life. I was very similar to you where it was like, man, I just, I just went in for, for two years, three years, whatever. We didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, we need to plan our anniversaries and our vacations around church because yeah. it, it's not a, we had to be here. Right. It was a, we wanted to be here. Right. And we also were, it, it looked like an incredible service that day. Yeah. And we were like, did we miss something that God did? I don't ever want to be at a place where I miss what God did on a Sunday or in a service or, or anywhere. Right. And so, yeah, man, we just wanted to, to be here. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Well, tell me a little bit more about you guys, because I know that you said that you went through a a span of your life where you were always in church as well. I would assume it didn't start that way. You said you was raised in the church, but I know you, you had a season Mm -hmm. where you wasn't doing what was right. 
Uh, what was that like? And then how did you get it right? Yeah, I would say originally I did it because I had to. Uh -huh. It was out of a have to. My parents raised me that it was like if the doors of the church were open, mm -hmm. we were in church, which I'm thankful for nowadays, mom and dad. Thank you. But, you know, when I was a kid, we had to be sick or in a hospital or, or something to not come to church. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I had a period of time where uh, I, I knew that that God had a call on my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to make the decision for myself. I didn't want anybody to make that decision for me. Mm -hmm. And so I had a period of time where very similar to you, mm -hmm. I was a Christian atheist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a cross tattoo. I, I love Jesus, but I was drinking. I was smoking. I was doing everything like everybody else was. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell me apart from the people that I spent time with. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was 22 years old, 22 years old, um, very similar to you, I got filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. um, in a church service. Mm -hmm. And um, from that point on, it was kind of a, like I said, God took my desires away and kind of gave me his desires. Mm -hmm. I no longer wanted to uh, smoke. I no longer had a desire to drink. Mm -hmm. um, and I just said, God, I went all in doing the things I wanted to do. Now I'm going to go all in doing the things that you want me to do. Yeah. And so I'm 31 now. And since that decision, really from 23 on, mm -hmm. um, it's just been a time of, of being committed to the things that I feel like God's calling me to do. And part of that is making church attendance important in my life. Mm -hmm. Part of it is putting aside some of the things I want to do for the things that he's calling me to do. Yeah. Um, and when you start to do that, you really see God move um, in your life in an amazing way. Yeah, I think that there's a couple of things that I'm hearing. Um, number one is an encounter with God. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to create that for every person, but I do believe it starts with hunger and thirst. Yeah. And it's followed by just a decision. Um, I'm also hearing a theme of um, like not having a plan B, like mm -hmm. all or nothing. I think I'm hearing that theme as yeah. well. But number third, between you and I, I hear a theme of the importance of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, can you just talk to me about the Holy Spirit a little bit? Because I think it's the part of God that so many people misunderstand. And God is three in nature. He's one in three and he's three in one. And I know some of my Muslim friends and people who really don't understand Christianity, maybe they misconstrue the fact that we worship a man. And but Jesus was not just a man. Right. He was God in the flesh. Right. He was basically the full expression of God. He is um, God uh, with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we have one God, monotheism, right. that manifests himself as three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And truthfully, I believed in Jesus, but I had no power to live for him until I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, I can. Um, I mean, I'll do it just from the... the um experience that I have. Mm -hmm. um, man, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, Acts 1 says, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive power mm -hmm. to be witnesses. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the importance of having the Holy Spirit in your life, number one, it tells you that the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Yeah. And so without the Holy Spirit, I was kind of just going all over the place, doing whatever I wanted to do. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, um, I would say that's when I really started to experience God, yeah. um, started to hear his voice, started to, and not like audibly, you know what I mean? Kind of like just a, an impression a in yeah, heart. a you sensing just, of him. Yeah, an unction. You, yes. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's a knowing. And so I started to hear that. I started to yeah. feel like God was leading me. He was guiding me. Um, I feel like I had power to resist temptation for the first time in my life. But also something that really shifted for me was I had a boldness yeah. um, to talk about Jesus to anybody, to talk about what he had done in Come my on. life, to tell my testimony. Yeah. And so I think sometimes, like, like you said earlier, mm -hmm. we, if God has all of these things for us, 
us, I want all of what God has. Amen. And so if the Holy Spirit is part of that, man, I want I want the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah. And I know you've had similar experiences, so talk talk more to that if you can. Well, I grew up in a smaller traditional Baptist church in southern West Virginia, and the people loved God, and they were great examples for me. But if I was really analyzing my journey, and everybody's on their own journey, we believed in the Holy Spirit, but we didn't know him very in-depthly. Right. And so Baptist uh, as a denomination is what we call Protestants. And Protestants, I'm um, simply coming out of the um, Reformation out of, I think, the late 1800s. You know, you know, you kind of got to check me on this. Basically, um, the Catholic Church um, kind of began to do things that was a little ungodly. Nobody was reading the Bible. There was it become some corruption in the church. Yeah. So thank God for the Protestants, because the Protestants protested that which Catholicism represented. Um, however, somewhere in the mix of a lot of Protestant churches, whether it be Baptist, whether they be Methodist, whether they be um, the different denominations that came out of that movement, somehow they missed the movement of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It was in the early church and even in the early parts of Catholicism. And so somehow the Holy Spirit became a part of God that we believe in, but the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, praying in other tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were things that were just put on the back burner. So kind of growing up in that setting in a Protestant church, I believed in the Holy Spirit, but I did not understand him to the fullness. And many people get lost in the debate because they say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, you're right. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Right. But there is a separate and second experience where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so Acts chapter one, verse eight says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power from on. On high to be witnesses in Judea, Sumeria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being in you and the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Yes. It's the difference between me drinking a bottle of water and water being in me and me jumping in the pool. Right. And me being endued with power from on high. So I lived my life for 10 years as a Christian atheist. I believed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit was in me, but I couldn't live for Jesus until he came upon me. Come on. That is a second and separate experience that the Bible also calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist himself, he says, listen, there's coming one that's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy enough to strap. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Right. You know what the problem is? There are some people in Protestant churches that are being taught oh stay away from that baptism of fire stay away from that when it's actually what jesus gives us right he is the one that baptizes i don't know about you i thank god for getting wet and we were we were infamous for people getting in the pool right but that's a man baptizing me i want what jesus wants to baptize me with and he wants to baptize us with the holy spirit and fire and listen it's not the end but it's the beginning it's the door that every christian steps into why for the fruit of the spirit for the gifts of the holy spirit and everything else that god wants us to have it comes with the holy spirit you know i could go on and on you about can this. i really can but because, it's a great topic but jesus himself says listen it's good that i go away yes because if i go away i'm gonna send you another helper comforter paracletos the holy spirit and so it, we when we have the holy spirit it's as if jesus was with us himself empowering us to do his works come on somebody i get excited just thinking about it, it really 
<clears throat> so that was a great segue um, into one of the things that you talked about recently. Mm -hmm. um, you you preached this message called the Great Transition, yeah. um, and it was it was really uh, uh, the verse that stood out to me was John fourteen twelve, yeah. and you said um, um, whoever believes in me, well not you obviously, but the Scripture says yeah. this John fourteen twelve whoever believes in me. Mm -hmm you'll see do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I go to the father. Right. So when Jesus went to the father, he sent the promise of the Holy spirit, mm -hmm. which is what enables us then to make this great transition from just being people who receive mm -hmm. to also being people who give. So not just receiving healing, yeah. but going outside of the four walls and praying for other people to be healed. So can you just talk about that a little bit, like the great transition, what it means to go outside of the four walls and do what God's calling us to do? Okay. So in context, I'm relating the great commission to also needing a great transition. Yeah. And I've never heard anybody talk about the great transition. So I feel like the Lord gave me this himself that we talk a lot about the Great Commission. Jesus's last command is our first concern. We know the Great Commission. Heard that a lot. Matthew 28, 18 or 19. Therefore, go into the world, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And usually, we stop right there when it comes to the Great Commission. And we almost categorize that the Great Commission is us just going to find lost people and making disciples. Right. But that's just the first part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is also the second part of it because it says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And conjunction, junction, what's your function? The function of the conjunction is to add what was just said in combination to what is about to be said. Right. So the second part of the Great Commission is just as important as the first part of the Great Commission. And it says, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's good. And you have to go back and say, what has Jesus commanded the disciples to do? Because whatever he commanded them to do, we are to teach other people to do everything he commanded them to do. Right. And what we found out is that there is not just a great commission to make disciples. There's a great transition because the transition is not just doctrine. The transition is also demonstration. Jesus commanded them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you receive, freely give. Jesus commanded them to preach everywhere, and he would confirm his word, Mark 6, 16, 20, with signs following. He commanded his disciples not just to learn about him, but to do his work. And so when we transition and we transition into the Great Commission, it's not just making disciples. It's also healing the sick, raising the devil, casting out, <laughs> raising the dead, casting out devils. Freely we have received, freely we should give. And I believe it's time for us to transition into that as well. Come on, that's so good. But I guess my question then would be, uh -huh. if all believers are supposed to do that, uh -huh. all Christians are supposed to obey the commands he gave us, what he, what he told us to do, uh -huh. what keeps people from doing that? Or, or why do people start doing it and then maybe quit halfway through? Well, I mean, you tell me, what do you think from what you've seen so far? Why uh, do people, why are we so hesitant um, to stand on God's word and believe him for that which is impossible um, miraculous or supernatural? I think there's a couple things. Um, I think one personally, sometimes for me, I was going through a healing process one time. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like, um, with my leg, with, with a leg injury that I had. And, um, I, 
I was questioning whether or not God was actually able to heal. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw him heal me. He healed my leg mm -hmm. um, miraculously. Um, it was incredible. And so I've always- Can you give me a little bit of that story? Just oh, yeah. yeah. So um, when I was, I think I was 16 years old, uh -huh. I was playing football. I'll give uh -huh. you guys the short version. Um, and I broke my leg playing football. Mm -hmm. um, it was a pretty rare injury. They had not seen too many of these injuries before. Mm -hmm. um, I won't go into the details of it, but it was, it was a really bad injury. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing they were able to do for me was to give me basically a bone stimulator that I slept with to try to draw the bones back together. The bone had been fractured. Mm -hmm. All the ligaments were torn. It was a really bad injury. Mm -hmm. So I slept with this bone stimulator and every month they were going to do an MRI to see if there had been improvements. Mm -hmm. Eight months went by and there had been no improvements. Mm -hmm. And so my mom heard from one of her teachers, um, from one of the, the ladies that she taught with, that um, there was someone coming to do a healing service at her church. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no faith for healing back then. I grew up in a church where I love my church. I'm thankful for the foundation and the word, but we didn't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So when I heard about healing, it was just something that happened in the Bible. It wasn't something that could happen today. Right. And so I remember saying to my mom, I said, what am I going to do? Go to this church. This guy's going to lay hands on me and pray for me and I'm going to be healed. Did you say that? I did say you that. You said, is he going to lay hands on me? Yeah, I said, is he going to lay hands on me and pray for me and I'm so going to be healed. you had some context with laying on the hands? I did. But probably yeah. not positive. But yeah, well, that's what I was saying. It was like the stories we read in the Bible weren't uh -huh. presented as something that could still happen today. Okay. So I was, even my comment was a little sarcastic uh -huh. and in disbelief. Okay. And so I chose not to go. Okay. Even though nowadays I know that if I'd have gone to that service and he'd have laid his hands on me, I could have received healing. Yeah. Um, but we went home and um, another MRI came by and nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. And so we went home and my mom said, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. My mom cut my cast open. She anointed my leg with oil right in our living room, prayed over my leg. We went back for the ninth MRI. The doctor comes in the office crying mm -hmm. and he says, hey, I don't know what to tell you, but the bones are completely grown back together. All of the wow. ligaments are grown back together. Wow. And he said, if you had strength in your leg, you could walk out of the doctor's office today. So you're telling me that your bone was broken. It was fractured. Yes. And you had eight MRIs that yes. showed that, but on the ninth, after your crazy mama yep. went and anointed you with oil, God put the bones back together. Put them back together, and all the ligaments grew back together, which is the craziest. I never had surgery. They never opened my ankle up, never did anything, but all of the ligaments grew back, and he said my ankle was stronger than it was before I broke it. Ladies and gentlemen, God still, still heals. Yes, he does. So after that moment, was it easy for you to believe for healing? Or? It was easy for me to believe for healing. Uh -huh. um, but then it got to a point in my life where it was easy to believe for healing for other people, but uh -huh. not necessarily for myself. Yeah, why is that? So I got to a place in my life where um, I had some things that, that I was believing God for healing for in right. my body um, that I didn't get healing for. Mm -hmm. But where that hurt me is I kind of stopped praying for other people okay. because I felt like if I would go pray for somebody else, but I was still struggling with something, they would be like, well, how, how can I get healed? And you're praying for me if you're not healed. Oh, okay. And so you had mentioned something a while ago that if somebody is um, not experienced healing uh -huh. to continue to pray for others to be healed. Yeah. Well, how do you tell somebody There's to have the like confidence? There's like three or four things running through my mind. I'm going to need your help. Okay. Your help remember what the things Give are. Give them to us. Go. Well, the first thing that I think of is like me, when the devil comes at me, I'm coming back at you. Sure. Because I want him to know that you ain't going to come at me and my family and I'm going to take it lying down. He picked the wrong person. He picked the wrong person. Yeah. And so when my wife went through cancer and she's overcome cancer and she's been cancer free now for about 11 months. Praise come on. God. In the middle of the journey, I was tempted to get angry at God, 
be mad at God and say, God, I've served you faithfully for 20 years. I've seen you heal people of cancer through our ministry. Why would you allow my sweet, 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 beautiful, innocent wife to go through this? Or I could say, you know what? I don't get it. I don't like it. But nevertheless, I trust you. And God, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm going to get mad at the devil. I'm about to hurt him bad. I just feel like we picked the wrong team. Yeah. And sometimes we get backed into to a corner. And so out of that cancer battle is where two and 20 was born. Come on. So our assignment in our church right now is to help lead two million people to Jesus over the next 20 years. Let's go. That came out of my cancer journey. I asked the Lord and I said, God, what can I do to hurt the devil bad for touching my wife? Get soul saved. And so in my mind, the next thing was like, how many people can I get saved in 20 years? Okay, 2 million. We're going to believe for that. And I'm going to teach him never to touch my wife. Right. I'm talking about even if she passed away, my thing is like, oh, I'm going to hurt you worse. Right. I'm going to go and minister to every single person in this world that is grieving and we're going to depopulate hell and populate heaven this past week. So um, uh, here recently we finished our um our, our series called The Prescription, and my wife got COVID on the last week. We've been COVID-free for over two years. She got COVID on the last week. I can either say, oh, my God, you know, I'm preaching on healing. Why is I'm coming into church like somebody getting healed today, somebody getting saved right. today, somebody getting set free. It's a tenacious attitude that you have that I'm not going to just put my tail between my legs, so to say, and run off into a corner. Oh, the big bad devil. No, I have authority. I have dominion. You mess with the wrong guy. And I just feel like if people took that position, they would have a lot more victory. So for me, that's my posture. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. You said something recently, too, that I thought was so good. You said Jesus didn't run from evil right. or he didn't run from bad things happening. And right. I think that goes right along with the posture you're talking about. It's like when something happens, mm -hmm. what position do I take? Right. When something um, I'm bad or a situation I don't see coming, mm -hmm. um, how do I respond to that? Do I respond and trust God in it or yeah. do I respond and blame God in it? Yeah. And I think that it takes somebody mature mm -hmm. to get to that point because even hearing your story mm -hmm. um your wife being diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. to be able in the middle of that with something so personal mm -hmm. um and and somebody that you love to be able to put your palms up and say hey i don't really know what's going on mm -hmm. but god i trust you right can you just speak to that a little bit yeah for i'm people? not saying that it's easy sure i'm saying that it can be done right i'm not saying that it's easy and that it's comfortable but nothing about christianity was ever supposed to be easy or comfortable right we've been called to walk by faith and not by sight and i'm gonna be uh, just as frank as i can a lot of this is a choice mm -hmm. i just choose that god knows better than me and i'm gonna do it his way more than my way and so going through our cancer battle i did everything to see my wife be healed we had communion every day we had a confession that we prayed i had some of the greatest healing evangelists lay hands on her pray for her we did touch and agree three or four we had groups of people that were praying i'm talking about we eat well she's vegan she's all plant-based i'm talking about everything is gluten i'm talking about we did the natural and the supernatural Natural. Right. And we would go into every appointment and say, today's my day. She's going to get a healing. Mm -hmm. And then we would come out and they would say, no, it's worse than what we thought. And then it went to stage three. Then it was stage three B. Then it was in 10 lymph nodes. And we're like, man, we're praying and we're doing everything. I mean, I would lay hands on my wife in our bedroom. Right. She would fall out under the power of God and feel like warmth and cool. I mean, everything that you would think God is moving, but then go back to the doctor and the doctor say no. And in that darkest season, you are tempted to want to get tired, to want to get weary, to begin to question the reality of God or sure. even the goodness of God. And that's what I'm saying. It's a choice. 
I choose, which is a part of my will, my mind, my will, or emotions, my soulish energy is that, God, I choose you. I just choose to put my palms up and say, I don't like it, and it's hard. And the scripture never promised me that there wouldn't be an evil day and there wouldn't be tribulation. Matter of fact, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. The scripture, Jesus himself, he says, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Yes. I'm talking fast because I'm trying to spit it out. But it's, you know, these things are in my heart. Yes. That I had to go back to the scripture and say, well, if we're not dead, God's not done. That's right. And so I have a choice and I'm going to exercise the power of my will and I'm going to choose to keep believing, keep trusting, keep praying. And thankfully, as we went through chemotherapy and radiation after 10 months of a battle or so, she came out cancer free. Praise God. She's cancer free now, all to the glory of God. And I do not believe that healing comes in chemotherapy. Those things can help. I do not believe that healing came through surgery. I believe that God used the doctors and thank God for great doctors. And he used um, the, uh, you know, modern medicine yes. to bring about the healing. And I don't care how it comes. I'm just glad that it came. Yep. And so that's been my position. And the thing I love about it now is even though it was a difficult season for you guys, I mean, I don't even think people fully understand. You guys are really transparent, but I don't even think they fully understand how much of a difficulty that was to go through. But what you have now mm -hmm. is a testimony that all it's going to do is beat the devil up even more. Yeah, he, he, he brought something against you guys yeah. to try to destroy your, your household and, and um, silence your voice for what you were doing for God. But now your voice is louder because you have a testimony yeah. of what God did for you guys to overcome this. And I think that same principle applies to whoever's listening to this. Maybe they've went through a divorce. Maybe they went through a foreclosure, a bankruptcy. Maybe they've lost a child. Maybe they've been trying to have a child but can't just understand that God can take your test and get a testimony. And I know that's cliche, but it's divinely cliche. He will take your mess and produce a message. God took our pain and pushed us into purpose. And I think it's so important for people to know that just because you're going through something, don't stop, don't go back, keep going through. And if God don't deliver you in the from the fire, he'll deliver you through the fire. But we just believe you'll still come out on the other side better than ever. And so if you really look at the history of our church, like get on YouTube and listen to every series, the series are so prophetic. Yes. I remember we preached a series called Stronger Than Ever. Mm -hmm. We were coming out of the, the pandemic stronger than ever. It was a series that was setting us up, letting us to know that God is pulling us back just to launch us forward. Yep. We were in a series called Believing Big. Mm -hmm. Before we got the new building that we have that is a multi-million dollar facility, we were believing God for a building when we were meeting in a school. All of those series were setting up what we're in now. My question for somebody today is like, what are you going through right now that is setting up your tomorrow? That's so good. And it feels like you want to give up. It feels like there's no way out, but God is going to use what you're going through. And all things are working together for your good because you love God and have been called according to his purposes. And it's just back to the basics that we have to believe that again. I love that. It's like the, uh, what is the saying? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. And so... Um, I know we've all been through stuff. We've sat around and had conversations just about, you know, a, a cancer battle, a um, broken leg, a car accident, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how when we sit around and talk about these things, mm -hmm. you share them with somebody else and somebody hears that and it builds faith in them because they're like, well, if God can do it for this person, mm -hmm. he can do it for me because God's yeah. no respecter of persons right. and his promises are for all of his children. Yeah. And so 
even though it's difficult in the midst of it, to me, it always brings me joy to look back on the things that I've been through Mm -hmm. because I see how God is using them now and can use them in other people. And so, um, yeah, go ahead. I like to say it this way, that what you're going through is not defining you, it's refining you. That's good. It's not defining you. You're not being defined by the divorce. You're not being defined by the betrayal. You're not being defined by the loss of your business. It's actually refining you for greater victories that are in your tomorrow.